Wave Act, the web-free software company that understands what you want. Hi everyone, welcome at Wave Act. Today with Aston, who had already four exits and is an eight-figure business investor and advisor. He also founded over 30 businesses in the last 12 years and today as you might guess we're talking about how to actually waste money right thank you Aston, for being here it's really an honor and a pleasure having you here and starting out i would like to give you the opportunity to let us know whatever you're up to right now and yeah then let's see where it goes great thanks kevin uh, it's great to actually finally meet you um so yeah i think it's a really important intro because a lot of people see me as successful having four exits which has accumulated a lot of capital and a great amount of wealth but a lot of people also miss the failures as you said so i've launched 30 businesses many haven't gone the way they should have gone but in those failures i've learned a lot and built a lot and i think that's what's enabled me to become the person i am today and as you, as you say you know i'm a business owner i own a group so i don't own a single business um, I own multiple that all report into a group and I lead the businesses from a group level now, which means every business I own has their own directors, has their own reporting lines, which enables me to step away and just lead it from a strategic point of view. But I'm also an investor and that is really what I focus on now is investing the capital that I have. Um, I have a significant holding in Bitcoin and Ethereum. You'll be pleased or maybe not so pleased to hear. Uh, we won't talk about my buying levels on those two at the moment, uh, but I'm a big believer in you know the future of Web3. Uh, I'm also a big believer in giving other people People the opportunity to build their business and often that involves early stage funding and i think i'm one of the few people that is happy to commit capital to help people get their projects and their businesses and companies underway so i hope that during this session i can help as many of the listeners as possible awesome thanks for that uh, input i have to ask this now you didn't buy in october november last year bitcoin if you were <laughs> <laughs> I think I should just stay quiet. During, okay. During this, during this <laughs> no, I, I wasn't that terrible, but I, I'm not going to act like I was. Um, I'm definitely not a guru at that stage. Uh, yeah, the, the things are looking very red at the moment. But, I, you know, for me, honestly, joking aside, I'm a big believer in the future of Web3. So I, I'm not a believer, actually, in a lot of the hype. So I didn't get involved in the hype. I didn't buy into lots of NFTs and I just didn't buy all that. But I'm a huge believer in the fact that Web3 is the future. So wherever my investments are, it's to see in the next five to 10 years, you know, I believe that they're solid investments. But yeah, at the moment in the short term, <laughs> yeah, best to ignore that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, since I think what would be particularly uh, interesting in the Web3 space, right, when we're already talking about it, uh, my feeling is that many people who have never founded any kind of business are rushing into it right because they think it's maybe easier maybe it was last year or it definitely was right then when doing some kind of boring businesses right as many people state um, but how would you from your expertise say one should actually start a business right now right with that market that we have and uh, what are the things that people should take care of, actually? Sure. 
I think at the current sentiments and the way that the markets are playing, if your business relies on the fact that you must raise funding now, I think that's a flawed strategy. And I think a lot of people don't want to call that out. It means that there are things that you just won't be able to do without funding. And nobody's saying that you should come up with the impossible. What I advise, I say, do what you can without the funding. You know, the fact that you can build up momentum, you can build communities, you can build followings, you can, you know, there's so many things you can do that does not require a significant amount of funding. And actually, it's that to some extent frustrating side that a lot of people don't want to focus on which is getting to know your customers getting to know the members getting to know really what they want from the thing that you're proposing and that's classically market research it's the stuff that nobody wants to do anymore as you say Kevin they jump in they want to jump and ride a trend but they actually don't know what they're riding they just see the big you know the big money and whatever else the the wealth and the fame and they think it's the right journey for them so for me no matter what position you're in and I would actually say this applies to web 2 web 3 any business I'd be focus on building up a community or a following the people that you want to service because that is something that you can do and actually it works well because you are anti-selling it's the thing that you don't want to be doing you don't want to sell to people off the bat nobody likes to be sold to what people want to do is feel special feel human feel like they've got that connection and actually the beautiful thing about web3 is web3 has been the biggest driver of selling community to the world to make people realize community really matters and i think if you are in web3 like say any other industry that's what i'd be doing and it's what i do now like we build out ventures we have a venture studio we build out companies the first stage is always get to know the target profile as well as you physically can and that does not require a lot of capital to make it happen and it's reversing that old saying like you'll remember this 2008 it was always build and they'll come and it was the, and now that is the worst advice you've probably ever received I, I just flip it and i say you know make them come into a space get to understand them and build later i think there is a rush at the moment to build and i think that's really really risky and without capital and without banking on capital um you're often already enacting a flawed strategy so yeah that, that would be my general advice for anyone if you have already started building there's obviously always positive points about that but maybe what we can go into is the actual true reality and difficulty of raising a very early stage round i think that is um at the moment something that is subject to a big fallacy that it's quite easy to raise you know an early stage round for very wealthy people that have money to blow uh, it's just not the truth yeah um i think nobody is actually just wasting money right no matter how much money you actually accumulated over the years right um, it's still a lot of money mm -hmm. and uh, those people are usually very smart so why should they just throw millions or hundreds of thousands of dollars at random people right absolutely yeah you know people always say to me when's the best time to raise money i will say to them when strategically it is the right time to raise money that's the answer because the people you're dealing with are not just random people they've normally made a lot of wealth through being exceptionally strategic and tactical investors are not stupid and i think there's this thing that people are just wealthy and they're willing to blow out money often People have made money for making very wise decisions. They're not new to the game that you're playing in. They understand it. So when you raise money is when strategically and tactically, you have the strongest like voice to the investor say, this is why we now need this money. This is what we're going to be doing. This is how we're going to get the returns. And I just think as yeah, there's a lot of fallacy that there's just so much capital that people are just willing to just deploy their capital because they've got nothing else to do with it. It's just not true. You know? Yeah, 100% agree. Um, I'm also the opinion if, um, yeah, as you said, you can actually always start, right? There are always a tons of things that you can actually do to increase the odds of your success, right? And to get more support, to validate your idea and everything. And even after all that, right? Even if you come to the point where you actually should build something, right? 
there are tons of no-code, low-code solutions out there. Even if you're not a developer, and that comes from a developer, <laughs> then you can build stuff, right? A simple MVP, prototype, anything, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think there is this idea that you have to build. And I think that's a really strange narrative that we live in, that everyone thinks to start a business in, in Web2, Web3, anywhere, you must build something. And actually, that's not true. When you look at the mechanics of what makes a business work, I always call a business a vehicle because every vehicle, a, a more automotive, a car vehicle, it has different parts that you need to make the vehicle work. And that's what a business is. It's not just build the product and it just flies. You know, that, That's not how the vehicle works. A great product, we've seen many great products fail right you as a developer Kevin I'm sure you've seen many great technical products that never see the light of day right because it's not the only thing that matters that's not how business works and unfortunately that's that's the reality of the world we live in great tech products don't always surface and actually dreadful tech products <laughs> can service and do exceptionally well because it's just that vehicle it requires a lot more as you said than just building and I think that's a great narrative to be changing and one that I definitely support yeah, 100%. Um, as you just said, especially in Web3, I think this, uh, let's say, not sure if that's the right word, but narrative, right, is actually uh, changing, right? People recognize it's about, I would say, community, which is nothing else than branding, marketing, and all that combined, right? <laughs> just a new fancy word uh, mm -hmm. or an old word uh, reused. And all these kinds of things, right? Customer support, which is also part of community now, right? Writing on Discord and all these kinds of things. Those uh, aspects are not new, right? And uh, in general, many things that worked for decades are still applicable to new companies, right? And I think, as you said, going that route, actually thinking in a strategic manner building something where you think that's actually a company which doesn't need to rely uh, which doesn't rely on funding right which can actually produce something <laughs> which should be the goal for every company <laughs> yeah i think you're picking on the, uh, the floor to funding right yeah that you can get funding and produce nothing and that yeah. seems to be acceptable but i i love what you touch on there because it's it's that idea that and i stress this to every web3 founder or anyone involved in web3 is that you can still learn a heck of a lot from web2 businesses and actually you learn what they did wrong as well you see the things that they actually fundamentally got wrong particularly funny enough on a funding perspective how the use of funds was always wrong but equally in turn doesn't mean any of that doesn't apply to web3 there's still an immense amount of that that's going to apply i think web3 has got a, a bigger vision vision attachment and i think for investors like myself that's really important one of the biggest issues i see in founders is they're trying to raise funding for something that frankly is either just really simple and i'm not saying that's a bad business i'm saying that's bad for funding if you're raising it really simple or you're just reinventing a wheel or something and you don't actually have that big vision you don't see something changing and it's something that i love about web3 the founders that come to me are the ones that say i want to change an entire industry and people will laugh at them but they are normally the ones that will receive the funding because investors are looking for you to make change and to drive change they're not just looking for you to do something you know one percent better because often the returns are just not good enough it does go on to the point of whether you know you kind of joked on it before about the use of funding because the fact is you can raise funding and do very little and you just keep raising and raising and raising something that i'm very critical of which is the existing funding you know 
mechanism, particularly the likes of the venture capital mechanism that's driven from the US. That's been very toxic, I think. And I also think that's a great driver that Web3 is going to bring in. So if we can change the way capital is allocated, I think we'll change the way projects are funded and we'll fundamentally change the way that the you know, industries in the world works, I hope, anyway. Yeah, um, in general, uh, as you also just implied, basically, it doesn't matter or basically you have to use these funds effectively, right? If you just get 5 million out of the blue and you don't have an idea on how to grow a business, that won't help you much. <laughs> no, absolutely. And the thing is, if you, if you manage to raise 5 million, and you don't know how to use, you know, to run a business, then, you know, wow, number one, like, well done for doing that on the one hand, because that's quite incredible. But then the reality is, is you're just delaying an inevitability, which is when you come to the next raise, you're going to really struggle because when you've raised $5 million, the first thing an institution looks at is they go, well, what did you do? If you're a founder of Web3, you go, well, I've got this great vision, but actually I didn't really do a lot. We, meant, we managed just to blow the 5 million and didn't really achieve anything. You're never going to raise again. That's the reality of raising. You raise the first round, it is now a journey. And to get to the next level, you have to be able to show that you've used the funds in the way that you felt like it was you know, the right way of doing it. And you have grown your business. That, that's really important. It's when the intangible becomes tangible. It's no longer about your vision. It's about what did you actually do? What did you actually achieve? Where are the metrics? Where's the data? And that's a, a, a really big pressure point. But B, as you say, it goes back to the point. If you're going to start raising, you need to be confident that you can actually deploy funds. And And it's funny because a lot of founders think they are until you get the money wired and then you've got, you know, like whatever, like five million bucks sitting in your bank account and the reality hits home. Like, wow, I've got to start deploying this and I'm now responsible and accountable. And that's a decision not, not every founder needs to take, right, Kev? Like it, not every founder needs to raise. I'm sure you'll agree. You would have seen founders everywhere that are great at what they do and don't have to raise funding. And it's something I absolutely stand by as well. Yeah, 100%. I'm a big uh, advocate of bootstrapping, by the way. Um, Yeah, 100% agree. Um, one question that might arise now is when raising funds in general, right? Um, there, I have seen many myself, right? <laughs> even though I'm not an investor, but um, how should a pitch deck actually look like, right? Because you, I'm, I'm sure you get these thrown at you on a constant basis and you would definitely know what's working and what's not. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a really important question. So we worked out in August, I received over 400 decks in a month and I'm a single investor. So you can imagine really well-known funds are receiving thousands every month. You know, it's insane, actually, the, the demand that's there. Uh, I think, you know, to annoyingly answer your question, there isn't a right answer. And the reason why is because every deck is different, every business is different, every project is different. But I think one of the things that founders forget is your deck is there to serve a purpose. And when you ask founders what's that purpose, a lot of them say to raise money. And I say that's where you're absolutely wrong. Your deck is there to get a tiny bit of attention and to drive another meeting. That is the only purpose of your deck. And, and this is why when you say about what's, what, what makes a good deck, the good deck is the one that enables an investor who is swamped with decks to capture a bit of attention and go, I want to chat to these people. That's what makes a good deck. And this is what, across the internet, everywhere, it is this big fallacy. You need to have this slide, that slide, that slide, beautiful images, you know, bad-looking decks are crap and all this stuff. And all of that is still, it's all flawed. They're missing the point. Your deck is there to get an investor to go, I think I want to chat to this person. 
right? And I think that's why when I talk about a deck, I say, think about the purpose of the deck. Think about personality. The amount of bland and boring decks I see on a daily basis is just, you know, I can't even tell you how unfulfilling it is that you see the same style of deck every day. So many people are afraid to be themselves, and I think that's a real shame. I love seeing founders become themselves through their deck, like personality, swearing, jokes, banter, memes. I don't care what it is. Grab a bit of attention because everyone else is just following a template. Here's this, this is that, and you're not going to grab their attention, you know, when you're sending a deck like that. So I think I'm less about the content because I truly believe every investor is different. So don't try and find a template that tells you this is exactly what makes a deck win because, you know, that's just it's just flawed it doesn't work if if that was the case everyone would get through to a next stage meeting and as you probably know the number of decks versus the number of meetings is abysmal it's tiny i suspect it's less than a single percent so i think what goes in a deck is your personality your i think storytelling honestly i think that's probably got a bit lost in the hype of what storytelling really means but i do really believe that every investor like me is a human so we are we are what we hope we 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 are attracted by emotion so if you if your debt can invoke emotion, I that is a better chance of getting that investor to think twice. So recently I had a debt that was all about how somebody's, you know, family relative couldn't see somebody before they passed away and how sad it was. And the thing is, it was a real genuine story. It wasn't hype. It was to do with the business, which was healthcare tech. And it really made me think like this tiny young girl. It made me think of my daughter. And the truth is, I didn't care about anything else after that stage. I wanted to talk to that founder. It didn't matter about the market size, the team, anything else, because they'd invoked emotion. You know, and I think and I've got loads of examples there. One in the dating side where the founder literally starts with who, where would you like to see your children date Tinder, this place, this place or this place. And immediately it's like, what a smart way of opening, because it's true. I don't well, who knows when she'll be on Tinder, but I don't think you want her on there. And, you know, and it's a way of invoking that emotion. And it doesn't work with every investor. And that's absolutely fine because you don't want every investor on your cap table. You want investors that like you get along with you, like your brand, like your mission, like your project. So don't be afraid to be yourself and build a story out of that project that you're trying to create. You know, And I think that's a really smart way of creating a deck and it's what nobody does. Everyone just goes through 10 boring slides full of data, full of, because they think stats matter. And actually remember what the purpose of that deck is, get another meeting. Investors are not going to invest into a dead market. They're not going to invest in you if you think you're an idiot. They're not going to invest in you, you know, don't set out the really obvious stuff because that's highly frustrating like you know this idea that investors are willing to back teams that are in dead markets well don't be so stupid they don't need to see your market size they'll make that decision very quickly i think you're in a big enough market i think you're in a tiny market i don't want to see you what you want to do is pull on those emotional strings and i'm not saying that everything needs to be like heartwarming emotions are fast they can be positive they can be exciting you know you can really criticize web3 what web3 founders don't do enough is criticize the status quo I would love to see it happening more. Do you like when you look at insurance products, for example, and how terrible insurance claims are administered, you know, and how unfair it is on the average Joe? You could do that, but a lot of them don't. A lot of them go straight into, you know, like the admin of, of a pitch deck. So sorry for a very long answer, but it's something that I feel really deeply about because the truth is I hate pitch decks. I'm not afraid to admit that. And I believe every investor hates pitch decks. They're just not willing to admit it because you get swamped by them. And there's so much norm that's getting very boring. If you're a founder and you're listening to this, this that is the one way you can separate yourself is make that deck different. Yeah, it definitely takes a lot of, let's say, uh, 
you need to be really brave and really confident in your concept, right? And that's uh, usually, I think, many founders aren't that way, right? At first, right? Because most people in the first round, you haven't any like, you know, most of the time you're still in the, I don't know if this works, right? Behind your back, even though you have all these things prepared and so on. So that's, I, I really love this. Thanks. Also that's... Uh, that's a cool way to actually approach pitch decks. Um, Can I jump in, Kevin, just quickly? Yeah. Just to go on one of your points there, because I think you raised a really good point about the fear, right? But what I'd say to any founder listening to that is if that's you, no investor is actually expecting you to get it completely right. In fact, the expectation is you'll probably get half it wrong and you'll be able to survive the other half. So I want to say to founders, don't be fearful if you feel like you haven't got it right. And I think humility is very important. I think a lot of people lack humility and it's good to be humble and to recognize I've got weaknesses. This thing could go wrong. But in turn, if you're expecting investors to deploy six figures, seven figures of their own capital, you can't expect them to deploy it if you've not got the confidence in yourself. That's what you've got to be able to show. Who knows whether I can change an industry, but I'm really confident that I'm going to give it the best shot I can. That's what an investor wants to hear. Not, I'm the greatest, I will change this industry. Because then you're like, well, no, you, know, you don't know what you're talking about. And in turn, like, who knows? Like, I don't know. I'm too worried. I can't say that. What happens if I'm lying? Well, nobody's asking you to come across like that. You know, you've got to really find that middle ground. But I just think that's a really, it's a great observation. Because for me, being on the other side, it's easy for me to say that. Like, be confident. But I get your point. Not every founder will feel like that. But I hope that they can see you don't need to be fearful of getting it all right. But you do need to have that confidence in yourself in order to execute. I love it. Yep. In the end, be authentic, right? Um, Absolutely. Because if you already do everything right, why do you need the money from an investor? Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And authenticity goes to connection with an investor. You know, like that's what I think is really important. That no, I wish investors were honest enough to say we back people we like. But everyone can't say that. There's too much PC-ness to that. But it's just a fact of life. We connect with people that we vibe with. And it doesn't matter about where you're located, your background and stuff. Often that's all on these hidden things that you you know, you know build this immediate connection, just like you and I did. Like we were in very different fields, but we connected really well on LinkedIn. You want that from your investors. You want your investors to really like you and you want to like them. That goes down to authenticity and not faking you know, your true self because that's very important. And it's ironically a great way to feel out of the crowd it's just to be yourself and be authentic yeah um 100 i think especially um as you used to say on social as on linkedin itself uh actually being your true self on social media i think uh, I, i think that's somewhat an comparison to when you're actually pitching to an investor directly right because instead of an investor you have hundreds of even thousands of people judging you if you <laughs> say something wrong so um yeah we really love that um speaking of things one should do are there some kind of red flags or things where you say if i see that in a pitch deck or doing a pitch you're mm-hmm. instant out <laughs> <laughs> yeah How long do we have? <laughs> This one. Um, no, you know, the truth is, is that I think there are, I think there are red flags. I would like to caveat and say these are mine. So if I'm just speeding them out where I say there are like, you know, immediate flags, but I would say a lot of investors share these flags, particularly early stage. Let me just be clear. This is not for the guys that have already raised millions and are going to raise tens of millions. These are for your first time raisers. Yeah, I think these are really, really clear red flags. Firstly is if you are what I call a raise first founder, 
it means you can't do anything. Until you've raised money, it's absolutely clear you're just not capable of doing anything else. That to me is an absolute red flag because you don't understand business. You don't understand bootstrapping, like you said earlier, Kevin, and the importance of bootstrapping. Um, you think money is the answer to your problems in business, maybe in life as well. That is like, you know, an absolute fallacy. It is the clearest red flag I'll ever get. And when I say that, a lot of founders go, but I can't do anything without capital. And we've already discussed that and said, there are many things you can do without capital. And if you are the type of founder that thinks you can't, I genuinely think you will struggle to raise in your lifetime. I really do, because I think that is such a clear red flag to an investor that you can't do something without, you know, without your money. Um, I talked about earlier about humility. I think that also comes down to not coming across like arrogant. I think anybody who comes across arrogant, like they're demanding. And this point, which is being rushed, that is a big red flag to me. I don't like founders that are pushing me because normally you're pushing for one reason because you're desperate for the money. And if you're desperate for the money, you've not timed your raise properly. If you're not timed your raise properly, you're probably not operating a good business. That's how it works. It means you're not giving me any level of confidence so you can actually manage money if you're really pushing me to come into the race. There are very few exceptions, but generally I think that's a fair statement. And I don't, I'm not saying founders should be always waiting because that's very unfair, but I am saying that if you push me as an investor and you keep pushing me to get involved, it's a red flag because it's often unjustified. Very rarely do you actually have to have a raise like deadline, if that makes sense. It's actually rare. You don't need to be doing that. You just keep raising in theory, keep your investors warm. Don't push me in that respect, you know? And I think another red flag, uh, another final one I'd say is fakeness. You know, that's a, uh, I believe investors can really pick out fake stuff very quickly. It's not just in the founders themselves. It's in the information they present, the data they present. My favorite, when we talked about slide, my favorite slide on the deck is the comp competition. Oh, right? I yeah. love that. You know why? Cause you know what every founder does? They go, I know, let me pick out all the competitors and I'll pick out the most minute things that are different and I can have a green tick next to my startup and a red cross against everyone else's. And it's like, well, why are you doing that? Like what we really want to see is find a big competitor and genuinely show where your value difference is. Don't be like, yeah, well, their, their brand starts with a C, our brand starts with a B, you know, like green tick. It just looks ridiculous. And I think there's a lot of things that founders do when they put a lot of, I wouldn't say they lie, but there are a lot of like stretching of the truth that they put in the deck or they put in information. That is a big no-no because actually it comes down to knowing that you're an integral character. Integrity is very important to founders, in to investors, in the founders that they back. So I think you have to demonstrate integrity as soon as possible. And that is the way that you, you know, you present yourself on a pitch. So I think they're, you know, that they would definitely be my red flags. But I have to be honest, a lot of investors share red flags and a lot of them don't. And unfortunately, that's just a harsh reality at the moment of fundraising, which isn't easy. Yeah, in the end, it's uh, all about humans, right? Um, if you're, uh, as you said, you don't have that much integrity, right? Or being like your true self, right? It's always the same, right? If ba basically people only buy from people they like, right? Trust and yeah, no, right? So basically the same should apply here. Absolutely. Building relationships, right? Like that, that's what's really important is to have that relationship. And as you say, relationships are human to human. It doesn't actually matter about their job role or their background or anything else for that matter. It should be human to human. And actually in the fundraising side, that is actually the trick to raising money is having the relationships. It's not actually about your deck. It's actually not about the industry or anything else. I fundamentally believe you will raise money in a far, far easier and simpler way if you have the relationships relationship with the investor that is really important and that means 
don't go off pitching at them. Don't go off selling at them. Try and build a relationship. And as you say, talk about stuff that you may actually have in line. Many investors are just very normal people. They've got families, got dogs, like football, you know, like traveling. You don't have to go in flying with, hey, I'm raising, you know, $5 million. Do you mind chucking me a bit of cash? You can just go in with, hope you enjoyed your, you know, your family trip in Greece. You know, we went there last year. It was really cool. It's just little things like that is what enables you to really start slowly building up the relationship. And to an investor, you're just not another one of the thousands that's trying to, you know, immediately pitch them. Love it. Yeah. Um, It definitely might always uh, also a little bit depend on the sector you are in, right? Because in Web3, I think that's uh, uh, maybe more usual than in maybe traditional finance, right? Um, those investors are different for sure. So, but 100% yeah. agree. It's uh, building relationships, I think, in any part of your business is essential, right? It's actually having people wanting you to succeed, right? I think uh, that's actually a rocket start, right? It's, it's a rocket right uh, behind your back. It helps you to the next level um, because those people are really want or support you throughout the journey, right? And that's what it takes usually. Oh, for sure. I think it's great that you say that. And I think it's great that you've understood that. For me, that is actually what makes the brilliant founder and a brilliant leader is knowing that you can move people and get people to back you. Because that applies across every stakeholder, partners, suppliers, employees, customers, community members, investors. It doesn't matter who it is. You really, that is one of those secret traits that you need to try and have. And actually the funny thing is it's really easy to build. It just requires you being human and trying to, you know, become known for something, build relationships, be empathetic. It's all these things you don't need to read from a book or go on a course to become, you know? And actually it goes to the point of, I always get asked this question. It's very difficult, which is what makes a great founder? And you basically just answered it. It's all the things that you don't think of that makes a great founder. It's actually not knowing balance sheets and profit and loss accounts. It's actually not about being technically the best developer on the planet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What makes a really good founder, and you'll see this in those that are really successful, are actually those that are focused on all those hidden traits that nobody wants to focus on. And that also goes to the core of being a leader, you know, having people follow you fundamentally so yeah i think it's great that you you know you've picked up on that point and i love it as a plus point of web3 because you are right to say it's far more acceptable in web3 and that's a brilliant move we need to get that moving across all industries in my opinion i hope that's a, a welcome change globally that we have that happening 100 uh that would be just awesome if the web3 mindset shifts that way right or in general the overall mindset um you already told the audience or told me how you can somehow build a relationship if you're already in contact with investors, <laughs> right? Um, so this cold approach, right? Um, basically, how should one approach an investor you have never talked to, right? Because you can't just write, hey, man, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> But Cold pitching is, uh, as you said, also not the right approach. How should one go about it? Yeah, I think it's a great question because 
I, I've seen people try loads of hybrids and I'm, and I'm genuinely trying to be as respectful as possible to founders because I do have a lot of respect for founders. And that, yeah, you get these guys that are like, you know, these people that can be really like outlandish and bullish because they think that works and then it doesn't. And then you get those that are really timid and want to be like really slow. It doesn't work. And, and I would love to say like, here's the framework, you know, here's the four steps you've got to take and you will have relationships. And I believe that the reason why it's hard to build relationships is because it's actually hard to get capital. And I don't think there's an easy answer to this question. So unfortunately, I'm going to be very honest to say to everyone listening, I don't have the bulletproof framework for you to follow that you've got to build relationships left, right and center. But there are things everyone can do. And I believe that they are, they've been known to be like, you know, good ways of building relationships with investors. If you're going after any investor that has a portfolio, particularly funds, it's so like a VC fund or anything like that, any fund that's got a portfolio, the best thing you can do is get to know the portfolio's founders. That is the best shortcut I can give you. Because the portfolio's founders have been through the race, they know the investors, they're founders, they're not investors. So you will immediately vibe, I'm a Web3 founder, I'm trying to build this thing whatever it might be on whatever chain or whatever and you guys have already done this let's talk and you can have that conversation where there's no ulterior motive you don't have to approach them and say oh i really want to get to know the investors i'd be encouraging you just to get to know them they're founders that have raised they're actually a step ahead of you fact so don't disrespect that get to learn from them and then as you're talking you can get to know about their their investors and what you'll find is founders of portfolios will 100 percent recommend to their investors other founders that they like but you know why because it gives you brownie points as a founder they don't do it because they get a nice kickback or they look great they do it because the investor goes if you actually bring me a really good person you look really good in my eyes and that's why founders do it they're happy to refer good founders to their existing investors and what they'll do is they'll just say this person kevin is building something really cool you know guy based in austria go have a chat with him if you want to they don't go in and like pitch for you but that is one of the best ways you can open the door to an investor you've not forced the door open and you've actually very quickly built up trust and authority with the investor because it's an existing founder they've backed saying i like this guy kevin you should probably go and have a chat with him so that is my genuine shortcut that anyone can do with any investor that's you know been open enough to say i've got a portfolio that would be what i'd be doing you know without a shadow of doubt the thing is, though, not every investor will be open about their portfolio, especially private investors. Like, I'm not. I don't like. I don't like to brag about everyone I back. Um, there's lots of reasons why, but I just don't do it. So if you if you don't know, you know, about their portfolio, I think, A, the investors that want to back people like you in your industry will attend events because that's often where you get deal flow. So they're happy to attend events, conferences, anywhere where there's a chance that founders are really trying to be themselves and demonstrate their value. So I would be encouraging every founder to go to events. I think you need to be very careful because events are also there to make money from you. So you need to be very wary whether the event is actually a good event or whether you're paying just to turn up to an event. When you're at the event, do not try and pitch to the investor. Just try to say hi to them. Say, hey, see if you can get their email address. That should be your goal. You should not be going in with, actually, I'm going to try and pitch an investor in an event. Very, very bad move. I would also encourage founders to get actively involved in events. A lot of event managers need founders. They want them to be part of panels. They want them to be demonstrating stuff. They want them to be actively involved. Don't be afraid to suggest to an event manager that you want to actually get your face known. Because all you often need to do is just be there on a big screen and investors may just catch you and go, oh, I wonder who that was. Or you can say to an investor, by the by, I was there on this big screen at a big event. Again, a good way to build up your authority. I would say that cold outreach can work because it's been proven it does work. There are founders out there that have managed to cold message investors and get funding. 
The idea that you can cold message them and get funding immediately, I believe is flawed. I think that's a fallacy. I would love to meet a founder that can prove to me they sent one email and got, you know, $5 million wired to them, right? <laughs> but when you are doing, you know, cold outreach, what I would say is you need to be very tactical about that. I, I strongly suggest you do a lot of research. I strongly suggest you personalize that outreach. Do not send mass emails to investors. Don't think you're smart. You're not smart. Every investor knows you're sending a mass email. Even if you personalize it, you know, like you've not personalized it. There are ways that you can personalize your outreach to an investor, which involves research, involves digging. It involves thinking, why do they want to read this email? Why should they read this email? Connecting dots for the investor. And again, driving just one next step, get get a conversation out of them or get something out of them. Don't expect to get money out of them on that first message. So I don't want people to think you can't do that because I, I do believe you can. And there are many investors out there that would criticize me if I said you couldn't do that because they'd say, well, my inbox is open. But what I say in return is, yes, yeah, open to millions of other people. That's that as a founder is what you've got to be aware of. That If you just cold messaging, the reality is you're competing against hundreds of thousands of other people. And whether you can stand out, I don't know, but I'd like to say the odds are not in your favor fundamentally and factually. Right. So I think they're my best tips. You know, Kevin, I'm a big fan of people building a profile. Like I would, I would love you are a perfect example of it, right? A, a man that's built up a fantastic personal branding profile on LinkedIn. You know, I see you everywhere. People know you, you know, you're the guy that's really known. And, and I love it because you just built up a profile. I think founders are really worried about doing that. I think there's a lot of fears that kick in. Not every investor is on LinkedIn. I know a lot of web three is not actually on LinkedIn, but here's the truth. There are still quite a few investors on LinkedIn. There's a damn lot of fund managers on LinkedIn. There are a lot of limited partners that fund the VCs that are on LinkedIn. You are still increasing your odds of being known if you can start to build up a profile. So I would say social profiles, Twitter particularly, get known on there and really think of a way that you can build your own personal profile. So I hope that I can help the listeners, but I, I, I say to you all, I complete, have complete empathy and I understand that actually building relationships is really tricky. If it was easy to raise money, everyone would do it. And the stats are very, very difficult to raise money. Love it. Yeah, um, basically everything that's easy isn't worth much, right? Um, Precisely. So building that social proof, right? Um, and getting to, you know, most investors or yeah, I, I would say basically getting on eye level, right? With investors, mm -hmm. as you just perfectly said, um, building out that authority, right? Building on, uh, being on a panel and things like that. Uh, that's definitely, uh, I think, yeah, from a young founder perspective, a great way because otherwise you are that little founder, that little fish that tries to sell something, right? And that's exactly. uh, not the relationship exactly. that you want to have. And on this point, Gavin, like if we just use real life now, look at yourself, you are a developer. The truth is there are many other developers. The question is, is why am I not on a podcast with another developer who may want to raise money? That should be the end of this podcast. You get what I mean? Like that, if that doesn't hit home to every founder, it should do. Because I actively invest. I could back your company. And if it's out of you and thousands of other developers, who do you think I'm going to come to first? You know, who's the one that's managed to open the door? Who's the one that's managed to build the relationship? It's actually not always about your actual capabilities. This is branding. This is about can you actually get yourself known for something and build that awareness? And like you say, get on that eye level. 
that eye level touch is not based on rationality. It's not based on you are the best developer. That's why we're sat here talking. You know, that's not what it's about. Relationships are not built on logic. They're built on emotion. And I think that's where young fans have really got to click and think, that's actually how I do it. Even if I've got all the stats, I've got all the awards, which personally I hate, as you probably know. But like, you know, I've got all the awards and I've got the gold medal for this and yada, yada, yada. The truth is, is you probably won't ever build up a relationship that way because the investor doesn't care. That's not actually what's going to get them interested in you. Yeah, 100%. Uh basically it gets down uh gets back to the same point right um if you're that awesome that great why you need funding again <laughs> so um awesome hey thanks aston really i personally learned a ton really a lot it's uh really fun and incredible talking with you do you maybe have three points where you say that's a must have or a key takeaway that every listener should keep in his in his head yeah i would say yeah, it's tricky actually we've gone through a lot but i would say one a key lesson for every founder is understanding raising capital is not easy and i think there is still this because you see it everywhere you see founders talking about it you think it's easy and it's not factually speaking is not easy to raise capital which requires you to be very strategic about why and when you're going to raise so as a key takeaway, understand that and know that if you want to actually build up a real business that requires capital and requires big things, you need to be strategic in the moves you make. You cannot expect to just raise capital and then go flying. It's not going to work. That is a fallacy. You may be an absolute exception to do that, but that is very, very rare. It's very unlikely you're going to be able to do that. So that would be my first thing. Uh, well, there's two things. So I'd say the final one is the one we just touched on because I really do believe in it, which is relationships. Don't ever forget that investors will back people, especially early stage, which I believe is where a lot of people focus on, is based on the relationship. When you get to like pure data, pure metrics, absolute thousands, if not millions of you know users, then data matters. But before then, the investor will back you on the back of the relationship. You know, and that again goes back to just human to human. How can you start to build those connections? And I think I would end by saying, like, I, I believe the funding model is broken. I'm one of these investors that speaks out and says funding is an absolute mess. The wrong projects get funded. That's my belief. A lot of the wrong projects get funded. A lot of potentially great projects never do. I think there is such thing as underserved founders, founders that deserve to get limelight and never will. And I would challenge every founder out there who's listening to see whether you can be a part of that movement as well. That's what I'd love to see because I really hope we can change the way that you know capital is deployed. I think Web3 is a big thing there that will change the way we deploy capital into projects. So any founder that's also interested in that, I'd love to, you know, I welcome them into my inbox for sure. Awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> I think you can expect uh, a lot of new pitch decks <laughs> soon. <laughs> I think that's a great ending. Uh, really, thank you, thank you, thank you, Aston, for being here. It's uh, really a pleasure having you on. And yeah, if there's nothing else that you want to add, I would say thank you for being here and thank you everyone for watching. Likewise, thanks a lot. Wave Act, the web-free software company that understands what you want.